Welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, Ryan, and Peter. Episode 144, recorded on November 17th, 2021. Oh, the places you'll go at reInvent 2021. Good evening, Jonathan and Peter. Hey, Justin. Hello. And a special happy birthday hello to Ryan, who it's birthday on recording day. Thank you. Uh, we won't talk about how old you are. Uh, no. I, will, I will try to get your verification of your identity later for you mm-hmm. know, credit card purposes. Now that I know your birthday. But other than that, it's all good. So, uh, well, you know, it is uh, a week away from Thanksgiving, which means it's two weeks away from reInvent. Uh, and we have news, of course, as uh, Amazon clears all of the uh, all the decks to get ready for the big show. Uh, so they have dropped a lot of news on us once again this week. And then we've got uh, Google and Azure starting to say, hey, you know, we really don't want this to get lost in the news cycle of AWS. And so we're getting a little bit quieter. So we're here. We're going to run through some AWS topics. And then uh, let's do predictions for reInvent. We'll see how we do, how the crystal ball looks. Mine's hazy. I don't know about your guys's. Uh, but uh, and then we'll get into some GCP and Azure news, and then we will be off next week. Uh, we will not be recording for Thanksgiving. Uh, we are taking the time to go enjoy it with our family since we're abandoning them for a week uh, after that <laughs> at reInvent. Uh, and so we will record sometime during the week uh, at reInvent, and we'll get a show out hopefully uh, early the following week so you can hear how we did our predictions. Of course, you should already know if you're following along, uh, but if you want to hear us lament how bad we are at our guesses, uh, you can hear that the week after reInvent. So there you go. All right, AWS EC2 G5 instances are now available to you. Uh, the new G5 is the successor, of course, to the G4. Imagine that. Uh, of course, the G4 used the NVIDIA T4 Tensor GPUs, and so, of course, the new G5 has to be better, stronger, and faster, and it uses the NVIDIA A10G Tensor Core GPUs, powered by the second-generation AMD EPIC processors. Uh, these instances are reportedly delivering up to 40% better price to performance for inference and graphic-intensive operations in comparison to their predecessors. Uh, on the GPU side, the A10G GPU delivers 3.3 times better ML training performance and up to three times better in the ML inference performance. Uh, each A10G GPU has 24 gigs of memory, 80 ray tracing cores, and 320 third-generation NVIDIA Tensor cores and can deliver up to 250 tera operations per second of compute power for AI workloads. It'll cost you a lot of money, though. The G5X large, which is the smallest, which is 4 vCPU and 16 gigs of memory, will cost you $724. Or the G5.48X large with 192 vCPU and 768 gigs of memory will cost you a low, low cost of $12,000 a month on demand. So there you go. It's like a small car. I mean, not anymore with inflation, but yeah, at one point it was a Honda Civic. (laughs) (laughs) Can't even buy a car anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, go with you. Go buy a new car lot now, and it's a it's an empty sea of pavement. It's kind of sad. So. Yeah, it's crazy. I've heard of people people uh, only getting one key for their car instead of two keys, or can't get spares, or don't have any GPS when the car ships and they have to take it back to be retrofitted. It's uh, oh. the the, the, yeah. the, the uh, silicon supply crunch is far reaching. I got lucky. I got mine in right before the crunch. I, we did as well. So. Uh, so I guess you guys don't care about the TPU, you know, this server, but you know, cars, we got that topic covered. <laughs> we go with what you know. <laughs> go with what you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I do think uh, everyone is now getting into the uh, the Tensor Core thing with the A100s, so it's good to see AWS joining the fray, if you will. Uh, well, something I do understand is the uh, AWS is releasing the new Resilience Hub 
which is a new AWS service designed to help you define, track, and manage the resilience of your applications. Uh, you are building and managing resilient applications to serve your customers. Building distributed systems course is hard, and maintaining them is even harder. And so the question uh, isn't when your app will fail, as we all know, but when it will and how prepared you are for that failure. Uh, resiliency targets are typically tracked by RTO and RPO as a very common metric. Uh, and Resilience Hub lets you define those RTO and RPO objectives for each of your applications, and then it has the ability to assess your application's configuration to ensure it meets your requirements, uh, providing actionable recommendations and resilience scores to help you track your application's resiliency progress over time. It's all available to you in a configurable dashboard to run assessments, execute pre-built tests, and configure alarms to identify issues and alert operators of the issue. Of course, this is all built on top of the well-architected framework, uh, but instead of a checklist of boxes to answer, this now actually lets you prove it uh, to analyze all your components. Uh, one of the things, like uh, example they gave us here, was uh, Resilience Hub validates that an application's RDS, EBS, and EFS backup schedule is sufficient to meet the application RTO and RPO that you define. And if it isn't, it'll make you recommendations and give you code snippets uh, that you can use to help identify and fix those issues. It does integrate into uh, Fault Injection Simulator or FIS to continually validate and test your resiliency. And also some APIs to allow you to integrate this into your CI/CD pipeline for ongoing resilience validation. Uh, all integrated into CloudWatch, Fizz, et cetera, and available to you today across the globe. Well, I'm happy to have another dashboard to go to all the time. That's exciting. <laughs> Can't wait till it gets integrated into like the DevOps Guru dashboard, and then the Insights dashboard, and then I'll get into Trusted Advisor. Yeah, it's, it's great. Always appreciate another dashboard. <laughs> I kind of wonder how comprehensive it can really be. I mean, I, 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 the uh, backup schedules, the obvious low-hanging fruit, and the easy thing for them to, to test. But I mean, in general, like RTO and RPO are tightly integrated with the architecture of the application as well. So it's you know, how to how, how to discover things like that. I'm thinking it's probably more documentation of applications and and the the, the, the efforts you've made to make them meet those requirements than it will ever be to, to auto detect this stuff. Yeah, I would. Right. I was imagining that that it, it's going to be more along the lines of assuming you built your app right. Mm-hmm. This is what you can expect from an RTO and RPO based on the underlying infrastructure components as far as dependencies go. Yeah, but it's funny it doesn't mention SLA, though, SLA management. No, or SLOs, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought that he would have said, hey, you know, if you're only in 1AZ, you need to be in 3AZs if, if you have this this SLA. But mm-hmm. absently, absent from the blog post, so I don't know. Interesting to see what they do. Get lots of room to grow with this, I would imagine. I wonder if they're... You know, if it's an educational tool too, like if you're, you know, relying on S3 replication or replication of another service and you put, you know, an RTO or RPO that's just not going to fit with those technologies. I wonder if it would pop up an error or something. I wonder if it's not compliant is what it's going to say. Big, Mm -hmm. big red X. And then when when the dashboard's full of red Xs, you bring it to your boss and you say, look, we need to hire more staff. Look at all the red Xs. (laughs) We need to make these... Green check marks. <laughs> I would, yeah, I need more budget, please. Or yeah. that in goes, wow, you really suck at your job. <laughs> We're going to let you go. <laughs> or that. I guess. Or that. <laughs> you know, either way. Uh, yeah, either way, less work for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, I, I, I was also worrying about how it handles exceptions because you may have an application that has, say, a Redis or Elasticache uh, database that you don't have backups to find on because it's, it's truly a cache for your application. You can deploy Redis in a database method, but uh, if you're you're doing it properly and just caching, then you don't need to back that up. Um, but with this, an error on that, and can I give an exception and say it's okay? Uh, you know, there, it seems like it's it's MVP, is <laughs> all good AWS announcements are. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's already building on top of the fizz, which is interesting. But I, I, at some level, it's like I just want you to execute Lambda functions that validate things for me. 
and then tell me that I'm resilient because I validated it with Lambda. Yeah. Mm. Well, a lot of these asks for what we've been asking for in, in Well Architected too. And so it's interesting to see how they're sort of coupling those together for these, the asks of Well Architected into like a service, which is, you know, customers want. And this is not a, one of my reInvent predictions, but I, I often feel like these announcements which seem MVP that come out right before reInvent are actually the precursor. So, hey, and by the way, we have this other amazing service which is going to integrate with with uh, this resilience manager. So it could be a security tool. It could be some other kind of... Um, what could it be? Who knows? Let's get specific. Yeah. I always think it was the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me and Peter need uh, or some recommendations. Or some of us might be a little short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's everything that didn't make the cut for reInvent, right? Like they they made the timeline, right? right? But they, you know, didn't make the... And so it's, it's the announcement. And then we'll have, like, you know, the, the announcements right after reInvent, where it's like they didn't make this the timeline, the development cycle. Which are some of the, some of the really ambitious ones actually come in that window, right? there in December, right after reInvent. And you're like, oh, why wasn't this at reInvent? And you're like, oh, because they, they just missed the date. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, looking through this blog post, I was like, this could have easily been a reInvent uh, item, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's glad yeah. to see it. I mean, think about where you go from something like this. This is all about visibility. And then the next thing is, um, how do you trigger a failover? That's that's a question I hear asked all the time. We have all the tools for health checks and everything else, but how do you actually trigger the, the failover? And it's often some crappy manual process or a Jenkins job or something like that. So I, I think if they're going to build something like Resiliency Manager, it would be nice to actually make it a bit more proactive and and have it be able to trigger failovers and perform, you know, call, call uh, SSM jobs or whatever to actually instigate yeah. uh, a failover. Yeah. That. You know what? That, would, that, would you that, call that, that, that is a reinvent prediction. Yeah. yeah. Screw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The big red button that just does it for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Amazon yeah. failover service. I yeah. got it in yeah. my notes. Yeah. Failover trigger service. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to unified search in the AWS management console, uh, which, you know, if you talk about building blocks, they announced Kendra, which was a thing that could go, you know, search uh, knowledge bases and give you a web console. And then they took that and they just shoved it right into the Amazon console. Uh, so they could then do things. And it's now been extended to also search the blogs, the knowledge articles, the events, and the tutorials. Uh, and while you know that's really kind of a boring story we wouldn't really talk about, I do want to complain about unified search in the AWS console because <laughs> I hate this so much. We need the theme music for Justin did the thing. <laughs> I know, I know. We do need a theme music. We should work on that. But uh, you know, I was, I was, I, I remember I was looking for, but I was typing in really quickly, you know, EC2 or S3 or something like that. But I'd, I'd always type in the search box and it would just pop up right away. And then, you know, of course. I'm not paying attention, so a unified search grabs some garbage on the first thing from S3 blog post, and that's the first thing I click. And so now I'm not not where I wanted to be. I'm now in a blog article about something I don't care about. I, I wish it, you know, I, I like the idea, but I wish it would group things. Like, all your services will be first, and then all your articles and all your other good stuff will be down below. And if I want that, then I can find it there. Uh, but, you know, the other side is, I think, Jonathan, you talk about this all the time, the blog posts on AWS um, are dated. I did check. Yeah. I did. I did type NAT Gateway, <laughs> and sure enough, the 2016 article on on NAT instances is um, right there still, <laughs> right there. So, so I can't wait till someone says, "Well, I was just in the console and I was searching for a NAT Gateway, and uh, you know, I found this article for 2016 that I followed to the letter, and now I have this terrible albatross that I didn't have to build. That's costing me a fortune." Yep, I clicked the link actually, and there's, there's a warning that says, "Hey, this this user this uses a, an AMI which is no longer supported as of like three years ago." Yeah, 
But why is that even like, okay, so you, you put a warning into the article. Why is that even showing up? Like anything that's been marked as outdated should be yeah. not show up in the results in the console, in my opinion. Or it should be, again, in a section. These are some legacy articles that have some ideas, but we don't recommend them. <laughs> you know, something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Are you guys getting value out of this feature? Because I just, I know I'm not as much as I'd like to. I think I'd be fine with the unified search if it wasn't for all this stuff that they removed when they sort of introduced this, like, you know, the, the ability to sort of list out the services and, and, you know, have that sort of that customization sort of of that, that console. Um, it's just gotten a lot different as they've add these things. And that said, you know, it's also sort of the, the way that I've, I found, you know, certain patterns where I'm, I'm using the unified search, like for instance, to, you know, use parameter store, you know, because that you have to find that buried in the SSM console. Or now, if you search for parameter store, you do have to look past the first couple values. But then, you know, third or fourth one down is is what I'm looking for. So it's, I don't know, it's it's pluses and minuses. I think I don't like it. I it, I get frustrated when I'm looking for like when I'm looking for keywords in their documentation. It's usually because it's a it's a specific feature that I need to understand certain limitations of or definitions or service limits, whatever. And when you get bombarded with a bunch of blog posts uh, and tutorials around how to use it, it, it gets pretty frustrating. I'd rather just, I can go to the blog site and use their search when I need to do that. Agreed. I like it. <laughs> Always a contrarian over there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I, I appreciate that it's not, it's not quite as easy just to type AC2 and have it take you someplace anymore, but I, I, I do like the access to, the easier access to documentation and blogs. I mean, I, I just think it's a UI problem, right? I, I think you can solve both problems, just when I'm just hitting, typing in EC2 and I hit enter, you should know that I just want to go to the EC2 console. Like you can, you can, you can figure that out, right? Or, or like I said, like you break it up, like here's the Amazon services that match EC2 first. And then, you know, here's the blog articles and all the other things that you may be interested about EC2 as well. I think there's just, it's close to being okay. It just it needs a little little thought to the UI. Yeah, it, it wouldn't cost them anything to put a little toggle in there so that it will either just look at services or look at all the other things too, I guess. Yeah, that's another option too. I think developer productivity has been a huge a huge thing for AWS. I think they're working really hard to get, get the information out there to people who've been complaining for years that there's no opinionated ways of doing things and you just give me all these services and I have to figure it all out for myself all the time. So I think... We're seeing more and more of these opinionated articles and tutorials and things to get people onboarded faster. And having it right in the console is just about perfect because then you open the cloud shell and away you go. As long as as long as it's not an outdated article about net instances <laughs> <laughs> from 2006. <laughs> so funny. We we had a HA net blog post that was like one of our highest ranked pages for years. Couldn't get people to stop going to that thing. But how much money would people save if they actually switched back to that? If they if they built the orchestration they need to to uh, to run those NAT instances instead of paying AWS for NAT gateways, you, you can save a bit of money. It was just the automation was so fragile that it caused more outages for our customers than it saved with AZ failures or instance failures. Like I think it was actually more stable to run one NAT instance in an auto-healing configuration than two NAT instances with the auto-failover of the route tables and everything. That's my experience anyway. Yeah. Indeed. 
All right. Well, Amazon uh, has introduced a new capacity or updated the capacity provider for ECS to deliver faster cluster auto-scaling experiences. Uh, this is particularly helpful for customers who want to launch like 100 tasks or they have multiple services trying to launch uh, all at the same time. Uh, I, I get it that it delivers it faster, but what's the problem statement here, Ryan? <laughs> well, um, I mean, the problem statement is that when you're you, I mean, typically when your 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 traffic's increasing, you're going to scale incrementally one or two. But what we're seeing, is, especially as you know, predictive logic is is coming around and metrics to, to back this up, you can scale from like zero to a million all in one go. Except for when you're using a capacity provider, it's painfully slow to get the underlying hosting infrastructure to scale fast enough. I mean, that's just due to the nature of just containers and EC2, right? Like one is faster than the other. And so when when using the managed sort of scaling capacity provider, it would just be painfully slow and you'd end up waiting a long time. And so presumably, you know, they've they've improved the back end where this this will scale a lot faster. And so as long as you're, you know, you're already bought into the complexity of managing very complex um, setup of capacity providers. This should you should see improvements if you scale in that demand. And so it's you know it's one of those things. There are customers who want this, but most people won't see it. Yeah, I was I was I was sort of assuming that the the challenge was the, the their auto scaling logic probably initially was oh you need more containers so you just requested a hundred all right well I'll add I'll add another cluster node and then that'll take care of five tasks and it would just yeah you know, but like every time you went through that iteration that was so like to get to a hundred would be like you know an hour, basically, yeah. to scale up. So that's what I sort of assumed was what this was behind this, but I just wasn't entirely sure. Uh, and so, yeah, being able to you know say, oh, you need 100 of those things, and I only have capacity for five, I can do math in my brain, and I can say, oh, I need 25 more, and launch all 25 at the same time versus one at a time, <laughs> which is which is, a, which is a mistake a lot of people do in auto-scaling. The idea is hopefully it'll do that for you. So whether you need five or you need 25, it will determine that and, and launch it, hopefully. And then they're going to tell you that they use MLAI to do that, because why not? Of course they do. (laughs) Uh, Well, the current sponsor of the CloudPod, JumpCloud, this week is now integrated into the AWS single sign-on. And if you've been hearing me talk about how amazingly bad AD is in our ad for them uh, and why you should use JumpCloud instead, and you were like, well, I can't log into Amazon, that's not fixed. So you're welcome. Uh, you know, I'm super glad to see this. Uh, If you are a JumpCloud customer or looking at JumpCloud, you can now get into the AWS single sign-on console right away. And like I said, AD is stupid. Just go jump clap. Hmm. Yeah. And then our last ECS story before we get into predictions, uh, Amazon ECS is now adding container instance health information. So you can now query the health of the container runtime, either Docker or Container D or, or some other run that, I, I guess, Nomad if you were doing that. But the Amazon ECS API, this helps improve your application resiliency, of course. Uh, and all the rare, this problem can arise with the host infrastructure or Docker runtime, which can prevent new containers from being started and even affect containers that are already running. And with this release, Amazon ECS automatically monitors the container runtime for responsiveness on your behalf, as well as allowing you to query it. Uh, which I have seen this happen several times where you get like a zombie Docker instance uh, where it just doesn't do anything. But it's still running what you have and you you know, you think you have capacity but you really don't. So I, this is nice to see. This took a while to come though. I thought I think we requested this years ago. Why would they, why would they expose this through through that API though and not through CloudWatch? It seems weird to have CloudWatch and not use it for this type of metric. Well, it's not really a metric, right? Or I mean, it, it's like it's a, a, I think state. it's a binary. Yeah, it's either it's one. either good or bad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's, it's, you know, that's really the... Isn't that what CloudWatch is for? I mean, 
to, to measure good or bad. Feels like CloudWatch to me. Yeah. Up or down, I think, is a lot of the CloudWatch metrics. So, I mean, I think one of the, one of the, the, the areas, and I use a, a, a manual version of this that codified because this didn't exist, was is to detect sort of overall health from the node itself. And so I don't know, it would be something that, you know, I'd want available using the metadata API on the, hoed, the node directly. And so it's a little weird that it's part of the ECS API. So it's a little clunky for me still, but I can see how this is more just like a general overall health check sort of ability, like good or bad. And maybe you can have an external, you know, like a Lambda, of course, you know, checking the health so you could scale up in the, in the case of, you know, bad health check or something. Now, I vote CloudWatch. It is a little clunky where it is. Do I get to vote? Because that can be one of my uh, predictions. <laughs> you, can, you can. New health information feature moved to CloudWatch. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know the question would be that would that be a main stage feature or would that just be something they talk about in a breakout session? That would be <laughs> that would be in the footnotes of one of the <laughs> last slides slide in one of the sessions, and like an asterisk section in like the bottom right corner that no one sees because it's behind yes. the podium. Yes. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> hey everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the cloud pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008, they are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, Visit www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. Foghorn, the promise of cloud delivered. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, the new news for EC2. And now we get into our crystal ball session here. So we are playing reinvent predictions. Uh, again, there are basically. You know, no real rules here other than it has to be in the keynote. Uh, we are only doing Adam Slivsky's keynote uh, because traditionally in the last two or three years, uh, Werner has not announced anything or very few things. So we're just going to go with Adam. Uh, I think this makes it easier for us. Uh, plus, we can then get a show out sometime midweek of reInvent versus waiting until Friday um, so we can get back on our production schedule. Uh, but that's internal, internal Jonathan and I problems. <laughs> no there's an, there's an ML keynote as well, though. There is an ML keynote. Uh, there's also, you know, Sunday Night Live. I mean, we could we could definitely count all those. I just wouldn't the Warner keynote. I would probably exclude. That's yeah. Feedback. That, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let that go. ML keynote, the Saturday or Monday Night Live, and the or Sunday Night Live, whatever that thing is, and then uh, the infrastructure keynote will count and will count Adam Slipsky has that compromise. Does not Warner. Uh, anyway, so we did roll before this. We'll put that in as an Easter egg at the end of the episode if you want to listen to us uh, laugh at each other rolling. Uh, that'll be there for you. Uh, so yeah, so luckily Jonathan rolled the highest number in the in the pre-roll, and then Ryan was second, and then I was third, and then Peter was last, which puts Peter in a really bad spot because he you know, didn't do the homework as usual. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's uh, going to have to uh, dig deep, I think, on these predictions this time around. So that being said, we are now time for the draft. And Jonathan, you are on the board with your first pick. Well, I don't have the best track record of these things. I think we will see 
new silicon from Annapurna Labs, and it will be a new Inferentia um, chip. Ooh, I like it because it's specific. Yeah, yep. so you're just going with a new Inferentia Labs chip. So if they announce something else in from Annapurna Labs, it's not Inferentia, would you not get a point, or would you get a point? Well, my next prediction might be a different chip. That's true. It might <laughs> I, I, if, if you like, if I, I, I can be, if, if you allow me to be more, more, more generic than. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna I, I think it's it. fine. They I, should I, be I, specific. No, yeah, it should I be a want, home run. That's fine. If you get one right, it should be a home I run. I just wanted to be very clear that you know, if something else came that someone else would probably pick as their pick, that you wouldn't try to say that you had said that already. No, no, no. That's, no, all, I think, I'm, that's all I'm confirming here. I think I like specifics. Yeah, Let's get yeah. specific. Let's make it so nobody gets anything right. It's worth more points the more specific <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's not, let's not change the rules mid-flight here. Okay. <laughs> specific. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great pick. Uh, I think you might you might get that one. I, I feel confident with that one. I, I like it. Sometimes you guys have picks, and I'm just like, yeah, that's terrible. But it's, that one I like. <laughs> All right, Ryan, that puts you on the draft board. Ooh, Jonathan leave himself in a precarious position, but my, I, w- I won't do it. Um, I can't. That's <laughs> just mean. Um, but I will leverage a previous conversation that we were having, or I mean, conversation or, you know, a complaining session. I'm not real sure. Um, talking about just how complex it is um, to visualize, you know, networking between AWS accounts and VPCs. And so I, I predict that at, there will be at least some feature or a dashboard or visualization or some way through organizations or some such to visualize connectivity across your AWS network infrastructure. I'm in if they do that. Seriously. I think that's also a great one. Feature, dashboard, visualization, see your cross-account and or organizational level networking. Excellent. All right. Well, I I am not offended to take Jonathan's third, you know, second pick, which is, I, I did call it a couple weeks ago that Graviton 3 would definitely be announced. I think we talked about it two weeks ago. So I will take it because it's an easy point. <laughs> that there will be a Graviton <laughs> 3 or a new generation of Graviton in general uh, for a general purpose ARM-based processor. You just have to look yourself in the mirror when that when you get that point. Just saying. Hey, I'm I will take it. <laughs> and I will gloat <laughs> over Jonathan all day long. <laughs> he might win three to zero or three to one, and I will get this one point. I will still gloat about it to Jonathan. So because <laughs> he went like I like this has been my first one. And then the silicon one about the infernature, I probably would have my second. That's probably how I would have played it if it was me, but you know, we'll let it go. Jonathan has his strategies, I have mine. And that puts uh, you, Peter, on the board with your first pick. Babblefish for Oracle. Babblefish for Oracle. I think I was just Ooh. thinking about that when they GA'd that too for Oracle. Excellent second pick. Uh, so far, th- these first ones all feel pretty good. And this is probably where it goes downhill from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jonathan, you're on the board for your second pick. Um, I predict that AWS will partner with data centers globally to deliver their own services on somebody else's hardware as a way to scale themselves, especially in Europe, I think, where where there's very different regulations from country to country, and there are many, many countries, and I think it, it would be more cost-effective for them to to do that and deliver services through through a partner's data center than it will be to build their own data centers. So would that be like a franchised, like an AWS franchise region? 
kind of. I mean, I could see them partnering with Equinix or someone to deliver their, their services securely. Well, I mean, that, I mean, they're already. I mean, I think Equinix already owns most of the data centers they're in, don't they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but like, I could see like going into, um, you know, France, for example. Well, they have a data center in Paris, but uh, you know, maybe in you're partnering with OVH, uh, like you saw. I think Azure did that, or Google did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so I can see I can see that kind of play. I can see that. All right. Well, it's an excellent second pick. Ryan, you're on the board with your second pick. Hmm. So I've won a lot like that one, but not quite the same. But uh, I'll, I'll see if I can struggle for a third one. Um, one of the things that I saw in GCP that I just think that needs to be in AWS as well, um, and it hasn't come, is the ability to do data scrubbing or tokenization or anonymization as a service. So this is really providing sort of a security endpoint where you can send it data and, and a rule set and it would return scrub data without, you know, the complexity of, you know, the Macy setup and, and some of the other things that they have that kind of do a very similar thing. So would you go as far as calling that a DLP solution or would you limit it at tokenization and anonymization? Well, I'm going to use your uh, your lifeline there and say, yeah, DLP solution of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much broader thing than what I said, so sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then I'll go to my second pick. Uh, I did have DLP on my list as a potential item, uh, but I, I think they're going to get into zero trust in a big way, and I expect them to announce a zero trust networking solution of some sort this year. That's a good one. That's a very good one. And that puts Peter on for his second pick. I'm going to go serverless Neptune. Serverless time series database. Jonathan, Jonathan had hard feelings about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you just, I think you might have just stolen his pick based on his video reaction. Now, was that number three? It's on my list. <laughs> as, as a spare. All right. Well, serverless Neptune is a good one. I think we've talked about that a couple of times as a, as a potential yeah. thing. All right, Jonathan, that gives you your third pick, which was just stolen out from underneath you in a horrible mode there, but uh, that's all right. Um, ooh. I think I... Uh, decisions, decisions. Um, I, I think giving customers greater knowledge about their carbon footprints is going to become very important, especially as c- companies try to become carbon neutral or carbon negative, and that's not really something that's available through the API, you, know, you can't query describe instances and tell you tell it uh, have it tell you how many uh, grams of carbon dioxide it's burning through every hour. And I think visibility into that type of information would make for an awesome new service. It's also copying Azure and uh, Google, who've announced both of those things. So that's good. Yeah, I'll call Indeed. that green reporting <laughs> to simplify. Yep, uh, <laughs> we'll go with that. All right, Ryan, that puts you on the books for your third pick. I would like to see sort of the the app config service sort of blown up in a big way. Like I think it's buried right now in Service Manager, Systems Manager. Can't even remember the name. Um, and I think that that you know, I don't know exactly how they would do this, but I think it would be more of a prime time service and not just sort of a feature of an existing service of doing you know configuration on demand or you know constant configuration, as Orange blog post sort of mentioned. Um, I think that would be a big next step, and that's something I'd like to see. 
Nice. Good, good pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Honeycode is going to make its reinvent debut with some major new features, uh, and they're going to pontificate about the awesomeness of no code on stage. Oh. Really? They, you know, they're going to burst that thing under the carpet and hope it never happened. <laughs> I mean, it might get rebranded. I wasn't going to go that level, but I was hoping for a rebranding might occur as well, but I didn't want to mention that part. And so that puts Peter on the board for your third pick. I'm going to stick with the serverless theme, but I'm going to go serverless document DB with MongoDB compatibility. <laughs> I hope you get a point for that. <laughs> it w- wouldn't it suck? Wouldn't it suck though if it's serverless document DB without MongoDB compatibility? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's you get two points. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then our tiebreaker will be the number of announcements uh, made in total uh, in those keynotes we mentioned, excluding Warner's. Uh, and so you, it's price is the right rule, so you know, closest to that going over. And uh, I will do this in reverse order. So Peter, you get to pick your tiebreaker number first. I can't even remember what the, the, the total number of announcements, the total number of product announcements. On the main stage. Like on the main at, stage. At the Sunday Night Live, at the ML keynote, or at the Adam Slipsky keynote, or the infrastructure one. Okay, I'm going to go with four. Four. Okay. I'm sure Adam Slipsky will have a really bad day if it's only four. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm going to go with 20. Ryan? Mm. Uh. I'm going to go with 10. I, I think it will be lighter. Okay. And Jonathan. Well, is it, is, is it 11 or 21? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what Still it was. Still that one to three range in there. You could do that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do five I, I think I might, might want my money back if, if, it was only, if it was only one to three. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got screwy since I rolled the lowest, but then I got the worst case on on this one too, going first. Yeah, I was just thinking about that it's in my screwed. head. I was like, maybe we need to think, rethink the rules of how we do that part of it. But well, next time, next time, Peter, yeah. after you have not worried about one. it, I'm not worried about it. I don't think there's any money in it for me either way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't think we'll get to tiebreakers. Is my my hope at least? Because you know, if we get a few of these things on the list, I'd be super happy. Um, fourteen. Nah, it's going more than that. I changed my mind. <laughs> you already said it. No, it's got to be twenty-one. It's got to be twenty-one. Yeah, it's got to be twenty-one. It's going to be more than that. Yeah. Although <laughs> Sunday, Sunday night is not 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 normally really big on announcements. They normally have. They normally do one, and it's always there's usually one. one right? It's the yeah. weird one, like Robomaker. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. All right, and then I also thought I'd throw in a tiebreaker here for uh, who we think the replay party artist will be. Ooh. Uh, and this is there's no points with. I mean, if you get a point, you get bragging rights, but uh, so. There's no worry about order here, but I went. I was. Uh, I think I have a choice uh, in mind. Uh, does anyone else have an idea or guess? I'm too old. You're too old for this category. I'm guessing it's not going to be the Eagles, so I'm too old. What? I mean, you'll be sad if you left on. You leave on Thursday morning, and it's the Eagles. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> As would everybody who showed up. <laughs> I'm. I was going with Swedish House Mafia. That's my guess. Hmm. Little, little bit more dated, you know, but it's gonna be a less, less grand reinvent, I think. So we'll see. I don't know. 
it could be it could be Zed again for all I know. <laughs> so, or they'll they'll bring a VC back from the dead some way with machine learning, and he'll be the he'll be the person. <laughs> Trying to think of who they've had. Well, Skrillex twice. Uh-huh. Zed they had one year. Uh, dead mouse. Dead rat. Dead mouse. Or, yeah, dead mouse five. Dead mouse. Uh, dead oh, mouse. what about the marshmallow dude? I want to pick the marshmallow guy. Okay. What's that his name? Marshmallow. marshmallow. Is it just marshmallow? It's just marshmallow. Is that it? I mean, it's spelled yeah. weird. It is spelled weird, but yes, that's marshmallow. All right. Well, if you guys have any other guesses, I want marshmallow. Well, then I'll go with Diplo. But you know, I think that I agree that it's not going to be someone that big. But yeah. uh, Barry Manilow. That's <laughs> nice. Ooh, David Guetta. Journey. There you go. Journey. <laughs> just Steve Perry. Yeah. You know. <laughs> In his wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, he well, was replaced, have... wasn't he? Yeah. Good... Uh, I don't know if he was. Yeah, I mean, he... no, they've got like a new singer, and it's uh, who's good? It's it's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I did have a few wish list items on my my you know items I had in my back pocket in case you guys stole them, like Ryan stole my DLP. Uh, although I was actually going to go with it, but I had it on my list just in case. Um, so I I also had uh, a new security tool sim, like an actual sim. I put it there because I just—it's a steady, true one that I will continue to predict every year until <laughs> it happens. Although I think they kind of given us a sim in just a different way. But security people like the box; it has to be yeah. called a sim so they can check the box. Yeah, I'm um, curious on what you would say, like a sim versus security hub. Like, yeah, I mean, security hub is basically what I would say at this point. But to, you know, I still—you know—it's that argument you always get into. And Amazon will tell you, oh, well, security hub's not really a sim, so yeah, they screw themselves in this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think an SRE tool. Uh, I know they have Incident Manager as part of SSM, uh, but I, I feel like they're lacking in the SRE space. I, I feel like something in observability, something tooling-wise in SRE, like, I don't know, I just feel like maybe a post-mortem tool, so, something in that space. Uh, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Um, uh, a SOC compliance testing and automation tool, you know, the, especially with the announcement that we're talking about here in Google thing a little bit, I think something like that might be interesting. Um I thought maybe uh, they would also do their answer to the Google security, cybersecurity action team. <laughs> <laughs> something, some answer to that. Uh, but yeah, instead of cat, it'll be SWAT or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, ironically, many moons ago, our incident response team was called our tiger team. Nice. And then I had uh, a new IAM paradigm, maybe, like starting to, you know, realize that IAM has reached its end of life. Oh, God, I want that one so bad. I know, <laughs> but I don't know. If, I don't know if this is the year for that. I, I think it's. I just don't want to jinx it. <laughs> That's why it's I not am. on my list. Uh, I had, of course, the Redshift Snowflake Killer. You know, they, they definitely have been doing a lot more stuff there. I just don't. You know, again, is it going to be our own product? I don't know. Uh, I did. You know, I had to give me like Andy Jassy to make an appearance. I just assume he will, <laughs> even though mm. it's probably his last time. Uh, at egress ingress cost reduction because you know there's still a lot of noise in the Twitter sphere about how much NAT gateways cost and you know something like that would be kind of cool. And then I had a serverless one to go with uh, uh, with Peter uh, serverless MySQL eight. I would like to see hmm. uh, serverless Aurora MySQL eight because it still doesn't support that, and that's what I need to move the, the CloudPod blog to so I can <laughs> reduce my. I, was gonna say, I, thought it, I mean, it's MySQL, but I, I guess not eight. It's not. Yeah. It's not eight, and I had already yeah. upgraded the, the CloudPod website. To eight, so I can't go backwards unless I do a massive data export, and I don't want to do yeah. that. Because and who's got time for that? Yeah, no one's got time for that. So that's uh, that's good. All right, well, we'll see how we do in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's move on to GCP. 
Uh, so you can now get six X or six times the read performance with memory store for Redis read replicas, uh, all with a simple click of a button. With read replicas, you can easily add up to five replicas and leverage the read endpoint to automatically load balance read queries across all available replicas, increasing performance linearly with each replica added. Additionally, the memory store support for Redis 6 introduced multi-threaded I.O., increasing performance significantly for M3 and higher configurations. And combined, you can achieve read requests of more than 1 million requests per second. So it's going to go up linearly, and by adding five, you're going to Increase read request by six times. Apparently. Oh, I guess so, right? We don't know. Because you have one, well, if you have no read replicas right now and you added the six you can add, that would be a six times increase for read, I guess. I'm trying to stretch for you. I feel like it's five times. But anyway. I, it, yeah, I, I can see your argument. It's marketing, <laughs> but it, it's not, it's not, it's not it's to awful. argue about that part of it. But, uh, yeah. I also, I also don't know that about the article. <laughs> I also don't know that it scales linearly either, because that would require you to be able to actually federate your read cache or read query across multiple nodes, which most Redis use cases don't do that. So, I don't, I, like, there's some stretches in this press release in general. Wow. All right. You guys have nothing yeah. to say about no. Redis. Mm. No, you're faster. Right. Yeah, you're right. If, faster. If, if, the request, if the request will go through the, um, through the, the, load balance the primary right. server, then. Well, I mean, yeah, it's going to go to a load balancer and get federated to one of the six boxes. It's not simultaneously going to all six boxes. So, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense to me on a, on a single transaction basis. I guess on a multi-transaction, you get more throughput that way. But, okay, we could, we could argue with this for a while. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Google's cybersecurity action team, or the uh, GCAT, as I like to call them, is pleased to announce their first launch of Risk and Compliance Code, or RCAC, because they have terrible <laughs> acronyms. The RCAC solution stack enables compliance and security control automation through a combination of GCP, blueprints, partner integrations, workshops, and services to simplify and accelerate time to value. And I'm going to go CAC over in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the cat did a hairball? Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what happened here. Yeah. Or CAC. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird. I, I mean, I like the idea of it. And, I, I, you know, you, you know, we've done a lot of security as code. Uh, compliance is code where you're doing, you know, validations of things and stuff like that in, the, in our jobs. So, you know, it's nice to see that one of the cloud providers is actually doing this. So, let's, let's work out the idea for this for my AWS prediction, too. Mm. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's funny. I got so stuck on, I, every time it's the, the cybersecurity action team, like, I, I, you know, I think of Cat immediately, and then I think of, like, a terrible action movie sequence, and then I get completely lost on all the value. But this is actually pretty cool now that I read it's nice that it's at the platform layer and not not just at the automation layer. So it's somewhat more definitive. If you say you cannot deploy in this region or you cannot deploy this instance or you must deploy this thing and it's built into the platform at this point, there's, there's no circumventing it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I do keep wanting to be called, instead of the cat, I'm going to keep calling it the CSAT because I don't feel like cybersecurity is one word, but it is. <laughs> so that one keeps giving, that one throws me off too. Um, mm-hmm. So not only is it a cat, but I also think it should be a CSAT. But well, if you are using Vertex uh, and you need Vertex pipelines, uh, I can now please tell you that it's generally available. Uh, of course, Vertex pipelines is the best way to scale your ML workflow to run them as pipeline, where each pipeline step is a distinct piece of your ML process. Pipelines are great for tooling, uh, or tool for productionizing, sharing, and reliably producing ML workflows across your organization and a key gateway to ML ops, because we like to put ops on the back of everything. 
AI ops, ML ops, DevOps, DevSecOps. Like we do all the ops. Mm-hmm. Forget no ops. Better. Yeah. No ops. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Ops and shift left. Can we add that to every service name possibly? Well, this pipeline does let you shift left because technically the pipeline starts at the left. So I can move my my productionalizing to the left of my ML ops pipeline. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's cool. I just that's all I can say about it. For listeners of the Cloud Pod, you know that I have no love for Microsoft Active Directory, which is why I'm excited to tell you about the leading cloud directory platform, JumpCloud. JumpCloud makes it easy to solve today's IT challenges by unifying device and user management through a single pane of glass, enabling you to securely manage your users and devices and perform common tasks like onboarding and offboarding remote workers. With JumpCloud, you no longer need to implement an on-premise Active Directory infrastructure or additional tooling to scope a user's access, and you can ensure that the user is coming from trusted devices and networks. Enabling JumpCloud's zero-trust solutions improves the security and compliance of your network, ensuring users have access only to the services they need when they need them. To start your organization's move to a modern, secure hybrid work model, try JumpCloud for free today at cloud.jumpcloud.com slash thecloudpod. That's cloud.jumpcloud.com slash thecloudpod. All right, let's move to Azure. Uh, Microsoft is expanding its AI supercomputer lineup with the general availability of the latest 80 gigabyte NVIDIA A100 GPUs in Azure, claiming four spots on the top 500 supercomputers list, which I don't know how that works. Like, like, did you have four configurations of this? And so those four configurations all got into the supercomputer list? Like, I don't fully understand what that means, but that's what they said. Uh, the NDM A100 V4 series features the NVIDIA A100 Tensor Core 80 gigabyte GPU, and this expands Azure's leadership class, a leading leadership class AI supercomputing capability in the public cloud, building on the ND A100 V4 instance launched last year, all powered by the NVIDIA Quantum InfiniBand Networking, GPU Direct RDRM, and for each GPU and all new PCIe Gen 4-based architectures. And I don't know how much this costs, I didn't look it up, but I'm sure it's expensive. Especially if you run Windows on it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Cost is no object when it comes to yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, the angry typing is probably going to be edited out, but you know, I just assumed that Peter was launching Sorry. this as fast as possible to do crypto mining. Sorry about that. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that gets edited out. Well, now, now I've made it a joke. So now, <laughs> <laughs> now what? I never, I never hear ty- Peter typing when we get the audio back. So our editor does a good job on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Azure Archive Storage, of course, is a secure. Low-cost means for retaining cold data, including backups and archival storage. Uh, and data, of course, is stored in an archive offline and unavailable for read access until it's rehydrated to the hot or cool tier because you know that's the hard way to do it. You can choose to rehydrate data with standard or high priority depending on urgency and your money to burn. And previously, once you started it, it wasn't possible to change without canceling the job and starting over. So this is the, this is the, the feature for, I need to recover something from the archive. Ryan, will you do that? And then he goes, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. And he starts at a standard. And then I come in and say, hey, is that done yet? And you're like, no, I didn't do the standard one. And you're like, damn it, we need it in two hours. And you're like, crap. And then you have to cancel the whole job to switch it to high priority. Ah, now mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. You can now do it in flight. So you can now nice. change it to paying more. Now you can't pay less. You can't start out high, then low, lower it to the standard. But you can you can go from standard to high. Uh, so you know, look at Azure coming up with way, more ways to charge you money for dumb features. Thank you for that. That one does sound pretty practical, though. I could totally see that coming in handy. If if you need that one, you're so happy it's there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
And that's how it would go down too. Cause, or yeah. I mean, I guess there's the inverse too, which is, you know, how much is that going to cost? Oh, not that one. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you just cancel the job. Yeah. Throw away all that work. <laughs> uh, well, Microsoft has finally arrived in 2021 and realized the world is going real time with real time web apps. And so they're now going to support that with the launch of Azure Web PubSub. Now, first of all, uh, Google has a PubSub product. And so, Azure, you need to get better on the naming. <laughs> you just can't steal Google's names and get away with it. Fully, <laughs> but what Azure Web PubSub is a fully managed WebSocket based service that enables you to focus on building real time web interactions and is supported by all major browsers as well as all web servers. Azure Web PubSub enables you to use WebSockets and public subscribe patterns to easily build real-time web applications like live monitoring dashboards, cross-platform live chat, and real-time locations on Maps and more, which feel like features that Azure needed for all of Microsoft's things, like Bing <laughs> and all their other products, because they're the ones who want it real-time. So there you go. I mean, anything that empowers more, more dynamic and interactive sort of, you know, web development, I'm all for. And so, and, and managing this as a, as a service. This is cool. Yeah. And PubSub was around for a very long time, so I don't really know. I mean, Google's still created. I mean, yes. I mean, I I count PubSub as starting at PubSub Hubbub because Google... How about PubNub? How about PubNub? Have you used PubNub? No. It's a a third-party service that one of my buddies works at. There's a... There's a... There's a TCP lighting round topic around uh, recognition, uh, detecting content moderation for images, and it sounds like PubNub needs that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I don't know. All right. And then our last Azure story, uh, Jetstream and disaster recovery for DR uh, is now generally available with Azure support. Uh, this allows you to use Jetstream DR as a primary solution to protect your VMs running on VMware on-premises with your VMware recovery in Azure VMware solutions. This has several advantages to including cost-effective DR, an agentless, agentless CDP solution, vSphere to vSphere recovery, storage independent with a live failback and decoupled design. And so you get to pay Jetstream for this capability, which you can also get for free from most of the cloud providers. Uh, but if you already have Jetstream, this is great enabler for you. You guys are just wowed. I can see it. What you know, <laughs> like there's nothing like a vSphere to vSphere recovery to get me really, you know, flowing. You be, ang- be angry about it. Like you should go cloud native. Damn it. Life fail bag though. Fail bag. It, it, it's not something you hear very often. <laughs> That's a good point. That yeah. is a very good point. There you go. There's, a, there's did, a, uh, the, the silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I, uh, by the way, I figured out a way to kind of think about your <laughs> reinvent predictions for future uh, cloud native computing foundation projects that are in the in the, in the sandbox or in the uh, you know incubating side are probably good contenders too <laughs> for product feed mm-hmm. because yeah, that's where uh, Amazon's getting all their good ideas from nowadays, right? Just steal them from the CNCF and make a project out of it. Actually, I was going to—I was going to say um, that if you look at last year's features or the year before, a couple of years ago, features which enabled things like access to EC2 um, or ABS volumes, for example, to to sort of do agentless scans and things. Typically, I think AWS will give the the, the third-party vendors eighteen months to two years to to have at the customer base for something like that before they'll come in with their own solution, which basically does the same thing. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of, um, uh, speaking of stealing ideas from people, um, security, uh, you know, agentless security tool for scanning EC2, actually. Got it. All right, well, that is it for new news. Move to the lighting round, Peter. Ooh. Amazon Kendra releases the SharePoint connector to enable SharePoint site search. Which I can't wait to see what, uh, Amazon puts into the unified console next with their SharePoint sites. Oof. 
Yeah. No matter how much Kendra you throw at SharePoint, I still won't be able to find anything in it. No. no. Only only 15 to 20 year old documents, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the blog post about NAT gateways. That'll find it. <laughs> well, Azure uh, database for MySQL flexible server is now generally available. So flexible, it costs just as much as a SQL server. Thanks. <laughs> Typical Windows problem, though. You have a managed service, and they'll, they'll manage um, patching and maintenance and everything else absolutely for you as part of the service. And now they have to provide the flexible service, which lets you turn those managed services off because, mm-hmm. because you can't modernize fast enough to use the, the cloud products sensibly. Yep. Yeah. Make your customers where they're at. <laughs> yep. Yeah, really. It is. Yeah, it's like, it's like the whole range of uh, Azure inflexible service, <laughs> services. <laughs> <laughs> It's my specialty. <laughs> I think I need a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about a public preview of run command? Execute PowerShell or shell scripts on VMs and scale sets. Uh, Speaking of like name stealing, isn't I'm trying to, I was just like, wait, what a sec. In this like directly from yeah. Amazon, but yeah. yeah I, w- I was going to say, I, I can't wait to use Azure simple, simple uh, recovery man or site, you know, system manager, whatever the hell they called it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. S- service manager for system manager. Can, I, add this, yeah. can I go back to the, the prediction quick? Can we add a wish list that they rename the SSM family products and actually like, like, well, I cannot remember those acronyms to save my life. <laughs> It's like the third time just in this episode that we flubbed it, one of us. <laughs> I know. I just can't, I can't not flub. I'm going to need a cheat sheet for the hosting. I'm on my wall yeah. here. I'm like, okay, it's Simple Systems Manager. Check. Okay, sorry. Rat hole. Yeah, I'm just an acronym manager at this rate. Mm-hmm. That's another prediction, right? A service just to manage the... Instead of calling it, instead of being AAM, it's going to be something non-intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to new and improved Amazon Athena console. Unlike Athena, the Warrior Princess, uh, this is not kick-ass. No, Ooh. I call a complete BS on this. I was struggling around trying to figure out, like, I mean, for the most part, it's all the same thing, but, like, the the saved queries and the, some of that stuff, like, they haven't fixed any of the, the weird issues in the browser, so. But the new colors... If they can fix the save query issue for Athena, where I can actually then use like the preferred services uh, buttons in your menu, that it would actually cross browsers or cross computers, like I'd be okay with it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. until they fix that in the console, they're never going to fix it in Athena. I will say that the ability to like sort the columns through the just clicking the UI versus just having no ability to before is quite an improvement. But that's the only thing I like better. What about the colors? No. No, the, it has that new terrible saturated green or, well, sea green foam thing going on. It's terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about AWS Application Migration Service, which now supports agentless replication. And it's great that's agentless because I still need about a billion agents to actually make it work in consulting people. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. Jonathan is, Jonathan, is Jonathan on mute? Maybe. No, my brain may be on mute. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just saving it for a zinger at the end. He's like, I got it. No, I got, yeah, no yeah. I'm, I'm struggling yeah. this time. I spent all, all my cycles on the uh, three minute predictions. On the predictions. So. Oh. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how, how is this? How is it agentless? You have to, surely you have to install something somewhere. 
No, nothing. The, the trick about agentless is that so you you have two choices. You can install an agent on every server that has to talk to a centralized server, and then that centralized server talks to a SaaS service, or the agents all talk to the SaaS service, which security people love. Um, or you just get rid of the agent and you make the server that you install on your network just go reach out to everything with SSH and uh, RDP connections and, and scan all your ports in a terrible way and blow up your internal network. So that, those are your two choices. And so this is the uh, this is the latter version. I'm yeah, sure. I like agents so much. Yeah. Better. So this is yeah okay because I I have seen this being or this pattern being touted as agentless, but it's really just oh you just execute this script in mass. Just yeah, you or you, spits it you install a server that's going to go scan and crawl your network in a terrible way. Like I've never been a big fan of these agentless things either. I prefer the agent because then I know where it's at, and I, when I remove it, I know it's removed. The good old days when we just had one big fat collision domain, or at least a management port, we could just go promiscuous mode and look at the network traffic and <laughs> get eighty percent of that. I mean, if, if that was really what it is, and it's slightly disingenuous to to, to list in the uh, in the blog post that. If your company policies prevent you installing something on a server, then you can use this new agentless service. Like, I mean, the difference between installing something on a server and running it versus just downloading it, putting it into a RAMDIS someplace and running it anyway. And like, yeah, that's a very fine line to meet some compliance requirements somewhere. Um, like most compliance controls, they're intentionally vague for a reason, so you can sort of <laughs> squint and be like, "Yeah, it's compliant." I didn't technically I install this. anything on the server. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What do you guys think about auto-instrumenting a Python app with an AWS distro for open telemetry Lambda layer? Fine, I'll instrument my code. Oh, if you do it for me. <laughs> yes. All of the all the variables will be named the same, but you know, yeah, it's instrumented. <laughs> like you won't know what it is still. <laughs> and Amazon recognition improves the accuracy of content moderation for images. I don't have anything funny, but I really want to. This seems like the. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is how they're going to find all the, you know, all your all your bad photos from your vacation when you upload them to S3. That's what you use. Yeah, in the after hours show, Ryan's going to do a live demo of recognition. <laughs> Any content from uh, someone wearing a red tie is immediately moderated. I swear it's an elbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a porn server, just a lot of elbows. Uh, SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines. Multi-subnet high availability is now finally generally available. Or, you know, you could just use the managed service and not worry about any of this monkey business. Yes. So this is the inflexible server option? Is that this is, no, this is the one where you, <laughs> you, you set up your own virtual VM and you install SQL Server on it, and then you had to manage it yourself, getting no value out of cloud version. <laughs> cool. That sounds yes. fun. Yeah. Lift and shift, baby. <laughs> Lift and shift. Lift and shift right. <laughs> yeah, totally shift right. <laughs> this, is the op- this is the opposite of shift left. This is the shift right problem where you need more people to solve all your problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of our lightning round, and I gotta give it to the elbow. <laughs> With the zinger, he does it. He got it. the zinger. He got the zinger. Yep. Uh, see, I, so that's what I thought was gonna happen. I was like, he's gonna screw us somewhere <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Uh, technicality. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, only thing coming up that we care about is reinvent, which is uh, <laughs> coming up very soon, and uh, we are getting there very soon. We will be there. 
uh, around and about. We'll have stickers, we'll all the things. So do keep an eye out for uh, some of us uh, you know, who are there. Uh, Peter will be wearing a foghorn shirt. I'm sure Ryan and I will be wearing something CloudPod. Uh, it may just be a sticker on my shirt for the day <laughs> just because I forget to pack them like I did last year. We'll see. We'll <laughs> work it out. It's fine. Uh, anyways, we're, we're excited to be there. Uh, you'll, you know, if you can't find us after hours, we'll probably be at Top Golf because that's where we always hang out after hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, just come out and start yelling, you know, CloudPod people, and we'll just, we'll answer you and you can find us. Like, I mean, top. like groundhogs or heads will just pop up. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I did so a meetup as a service uh, is wrapped up. If you missed out on that, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I got my I got my matches, and guess who I matched with? Matthew Cohn, friend of the show. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Oh my god, like you weren't going to see each other I anyway. I, I got a, I was an open I, I was open match, so I got there's like six people I matched with, but he was one of those six people, which was funny. So oh, that's so funny. I, would, I sort of laughed funny. about this morning. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's it uh, for another fantastic week in the cloud. We'll see you on the post side of reInvent, hopefully talking about all the amazing new things uh, Amazon announced or the end of Amazon as we know it because they announced nothing and we're all, it's all over. It's doomed. It's not a cloud. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be the first one. It's going to be the first one. See you then. Have a good night. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. And that is the week in the cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Foghorn Consulting and Jump Cloud. Check out our website, the home of the Cloud Pod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, and send feedback or ask questions at thecloudpod.net or tweet us with the hashtag thecloudpod. Cloud Pod.